Last week, we began talking about Abraham and about God's plan for him. God's plan for Abraham, interestingly enough, is not a short-term plan. <clears throat> God's plan for Abraham is a long-term plan. God's plan wasn't a, you know, Abraham, I'm going to bless you real quick here. I'm going to let you have this. I'm going to give you all this. You're going to experience this. Here, I'm going to fulfill my word to you this way. Bum, 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 boom, boom, boom. You know, five years later, everything's all fulfilled. Whoo, let's go on with our life. Abraham's plan, the God, God's plan for Abraham was a long-term plan. God's plan for Abraham wasn't just a year or two or a month or two or a week or two or, or whatever. God's plan for him was not only just for his life. God's plan for Abraham has, has been going on for thousands of years. God's plan for your life is not 72 years long. God's plan for your life is not 82 years long or 92 years long or even 102 years long. God's plan for your, for your life is generational. We have to get away from our American 30-second or less microwave, push the button, get what you want mentality. Because that mentality, that way of thinking, will stunt who you become. Because if it doesn't happen when and where you want, how you want, as quickly as you want, as fun as you want, Many times people walk away from it. I had somebody recently say to me, and I've actually thought about this for years, and I, I hesitate to even say it because it's not one of the feel-good uh, thoughts of the year, but it's truth. This was an older gentleman, very wise man. He said, John, he says, I think the better years are behind us. He says, John, he says, I think the easier years are behind us. When you see the world situation, when you see the, the things that are happening day to day, if we expect everything to be easy and everything to be fun and everything to go smoothly and everything to just work out the way we want it to, we're going to be sadly disappointed. The only saving grace is that God is good. That God is good and he loves you. And he's got a plan for you that is good. good. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, yeah, that's right, good. Abraham went through 
situation after situation, trial after trial, test after test, and each one got harder. I've noticed that with my own life. You know, the tests that I went through right away after walking with the Lord, when I think about them now, I wish they, had, I wish they were back. I wish those were the kind of tests that I had to deal with. Those were the kind of trials that I had to walk through. You know, the kind of temptations that I had to overcome. Man, those, are, those would be easy now. Seems like each test, each trial gets bigger with more consequences and longer. We see that with Abraham's life. Abraham, well, we, remember we talked about how, how his father, was it Nahor? No. Haman? Terah. One of them guys. Terah was told to leave his, his nation and go to Canaan. All Abraham had to do with that was to just go with his dad, didn't he? In that, in that instance, all he had to do was follow his father. Then his father dies, and Abraham, Abram is told, leave your father's household and you go to Canaan. <clears throat> That's a little tougher, excuse me. <clears throat> but we don't even hear that he even blinked an eye. It didn't even sound like he even was even a, a problem. I mean, who knows? But he left there. Well, then he went into a hostile area, Egypt, and the test was, trust me that I'm going to, I have a plan for your life, I'm going to make you a great nation. But his fear was that because of his wife, they were going to kill him. And he lied. Remember we talked about that? Abraham was a liar. So then he was tested in that same area again. Isn't that interesting? If we don't pass the first test, many times there'll be a second test. Now the problem is, he failed that one too. He lied again. Oh, she's my sister. Now I know somebody sent me an email, you know, standing up for Abraham. She was his sister. Technicality. Total technicality. But, God's wanting to work the character into you and the character out of you that needs to be out. Abraham kept going through trial after trial. He kept, you know, then is with his wife and not be able to have a child and waiting for the time and then falling for the trick with Hagar and having this child that immediately starts causing problems. Sarah is jealous and gets mad and sends her away, you know, abuses her and she runs away and God tells him to come back, or tells her to come back. And then when uh, Isaac is actually born, you know, the son of the promise is actually born, then it's like, get her out of here. We're sending her out of here. I mean, just constant trouble, strife in the family from that, that decision that he made impetuously. Remember, we said he was an impetuous liar. But we ended up talking last week, praise God for Abraham. I was thinking about that getting ready this morning thinking about Abraham, praise God for Abraham. And praise God that, that Abraham was the way he was. Because that gives me hope. When I blow it, when I screw up, 
when I have to go around the mountain one more time and get tested one more time and have to deal with the things one more time, praise God for people like Abraham. Praise God for people like Peter. Praise God for people like Thomas. Because God uses real people who make dumb mistakes over and over again to continue to work through. Human beings, frail human beings. The Bible says clay pots. Jars of clay. Anybody ever dropped a flower pot? Once? You don't get a second chance. Jars of clay are fragile. And they break easily. We're going through this life hoping that we can, you know, minimize the damage. While God is looking at us and saying, no, 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 no. It's not about minimizing the damage. It's about living life to the fullest. Being who I've called you to be. Living bigger and larger and more powerful and with more authority and with more fruit than you could have ever done by yourself. Abraham was a clay pot, and God made him the father of many nations. And God made him the father of faith. Think about this for a moment. You get to heaven one day, and the people are all waiting for you, and you get there, and they're going, oh, you know, so-and-so is finally here. Won't you be surprised when they come up to you and they say, man, I heard about you. You were awesome. I've been waiting for you to get here. I really wanted to meet you. I mean, we think about that with certain biblical characters, whoever it might be. Samson. Jehoshaphat. Nobody cares. To, nobody's even thinking, I want to meet Jehoshaphat. Nobody does that. They really don't. It's all the biggies. David, you know. Solomon. So on and so forth. Nobody says, I want to meet Jehoshaphat. But you walk in and they go, oh, I've heard about you. Who, me? Yeah, I, I've heard about the way you've prayed. I heard about the time when you believed for this and when nobody else was believing for it and God, God moved on your behalf because of your faith. Wow, that was awesome. I wished I could have been there. That'll shock you, won't it? Now, most people are sitting there going, well, he's not talking about me. There's a problem with that. I should be talking about you. I am talking about you. You know, Abraham was a nobody. He was just a guy. He was a guy without a nation. He was a guy without a family. He was a guy without a wife, without a wife who could give children. He, he had all the things going against him. He was just a regular guy trying to make it through life. But he had one thing going for him. He believed God. Why, why was his life equal to righteousness? When it says that it was accredited to, accredited to him righteousness, 
Why was that? What was it that he did that was accredited to him as righteousness, making him the father of faith? What did he do? The, the verse says he believed him. That was it. He didn't do anything great. He just believed God. God says, I can do this for you. He go, okay, let's go. He didn't have to climb any you know, big mountain. He didn't have to defeat this big army. He, didn't do, he ended up doing amazing things, but he did it because he believed God. So my question to you is, do you believe God? Do you believe him? When it comes down to tomorrow morning when we're not sitting here and we're not with a bunch of other Christians and the music's not playing and we're, and we're having to face the real life tomorrow and tomorrow you're faced with a, with a problem, with a situation, with something that's outside of your control, what are you going to do? Because the question is, can God do it or can God not do it? And I don't care what the situation, every one of us will have one tomorrow. We'll have something that we have to make the decision one way or the other, am I going to believe God or not? And all of heaven is waiting for your answer. No pressure. So Abraham goes through his life, he's got all these things going on. He finally has a son, a real son, from his wife, the son of the promise. Isaac is born, Woo! Hey, I believe God and it happened. It happened miraculously. I was 100, she was 90. That's miraculous. Glory to God. Now he can go into his, the rest of his life and he can just relax because God did what he says he could do. Finally, whew, I can relax, I can, I can hang back. Now it's up to God doing this, the rest of this thing through Isaac. The thing is, he doesn't get to relax. Because at some point in time, we get to chapter 22 in Genesis. Turn with me to chapter 22. In his old age, after he's done everything that, he's, that God's told him to do. God's developed some things in him. We get to Genesis 22 and we see this absolutely bizarre story that God asks Abraham to do something that is just, it doesn't make any sense. Genesis 22, beginning with verse 1. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. Let me ask you a question. Does God test us? Does God test us? Here's a big theological question that if you don't answer it, you'll stumble over it every time. Does God test us? I have to say yes. It says it right here. God tested him. What doesn't God do? Tempt. Big difference between tempt and test. Big difference. Huge difference. Tempting. God does not tempt us. God does not tempt us in a way that he will put sin in front of you to see what you'll do. Enticing you to do it. Let's see how strong John is today. 
I'm going to put this object, this thing of his desire in front of him, and I'm going to make him, I'm going to see if John's strong enough to do it. John, what do you think, huh? What do you think, buddy? Huh? What do you think, huh? That's not God. That is the devil. Satan tempts. Satan tempts. God does test us, though. He puts us in situations to see what we're made of. And I believe that he also puts us into situations so that we can see what we're made of. He has us walk through things so that we realize who we are and our need for him. So, sometime later God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, Abraham said, here I am. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain, I will show you. What? What? Pastor Greg, take Tommy. This is God speaking. Take Tommy, take him up to the mountain, cook him. <laughs> I need a big pot, he said. <laughs> I mean, that just sounds weird, doesn't it? Let's call it what it is. Let's not look through this through theological glasses. Let's, not look Let's put this in real life terms. John, this is God speaking. Take Kairos and go cook him. Okay, that's just wrong. I don't care how you say it, it's just yeah, Kairos, run, exactly. It's just like, what? You want me to do what? The amazing thing is Abraham's answer. Verse 3. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. Unbelievable. God tells Abraham to do something absolutely outside of the norm, absolutely crazy, weird. I don't get it. God wants me to do what? Does God ever ask you to do something that makes absolutely no sense? All the time. Why? Because he wants to see if you're going to follow him or not. Now, you notice Abraham didn't say anything to anybody. Hey guys, I'll see you in a few weeks. Uh, God just told me to go sacrifice Isaac. I'll be back. Because that would be dumb. You don't tell people that. There are times when God tells you to do something, you should not tell anybody what, he's, what you're about to do. The last thing you should do is agree with me. Will you, will you pray with me and agree? Because I'm going to do this and I want somebody to agree with me. No. Because that person may look at you and go, don't do it. Most times when God tells you to do something crazy and you tell somebody else that you're about to do it, they're going to tell you, you're nuts. Don't do it. Do we have scripture on that? Absolutely. When Jesus said, I just want to let you guys know we're going to go down to Jerusalem there and I'm going to be turned over to the authorities and they're going to kill me. Peter in all of his holiness said, don't do it. Don't go. 
Abraham just gets up in the morning and starts heading in that direction. He just starts following God's orders. Now remember, he's a hundred and something years old, probably 112 to 125. We don't know how old Isaac was. Do we, George? Just for fact checking, you know, you've... No, I've already looked, we don't know. We don't know how old he is. Somewhere between 112 and 130 somewhere. He lived to be 175. Abraham's been through some stuff. He's seen some miracles. He's seen some stuff that doesn't make sense and that, that's outside of the ordinary. So when God tells him, go up to the mountain and sacrifice your son, he goes, okay. And he starts to do it. Some of you right now, God is telling you to do something in your life. And you're thinking, huh? You want me to do what? When you hear about the great missionaries, people who have gone, you know, in, in the old times that have just sh shut shop up, you know, gave away all of their wealth, bought a ticket to some, got, you know, unknown place out in the middle of nowhere, got on the boat and went there and served their whole life there. At some point in time, God said, go, and they went. And people around them are going, huh? You're doing what? You're going Where? Abraham just got up and went. He loaded up the donkey, he got the firewood, he took a couple of servants, and he went. Verse 4. On the third day, Abram looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, Stand, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. So now if you looked at it just that verse, you're thinking, he's not going to go through with it. He's going to go over, he's going to do something, you know, he's just going to you know, go through the motions, and he's fully expecting, well, he was fully expecting uh, Isaac to come back, but if you looked at it through those lenses, if we're just from an outside observer, you're thinking, oh, he's just going to go do the motions, and then he'll be right back. He'd already made up his mind not to do it. He'd already decided that he was just going to, okay, we'll see how far God's going to go, but I'm really not going to kill him. Really not going to sacrifice him. But we see that that the case in the rest of the story. Verse 6. Abram took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abram, Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abram replied, the fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son, and the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar 
there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and he took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. He was going to kill him. He was actually going to go through with it. He was actually ready to do exactly what God said to do. And at the last moment, he stopped. God stopped him. Real life story. Put this into perspective. How does God do this today? Years ago, I was, uh, we had just moved to River Falls, Wisconsin, so this was 24 years ago. Deb and I were there. I was going to school at, at Stout. Deb was going to school at River Falls. We were helping with the youth group at River Falls at Abundant Life Church, uh, commuting back and forth. We had left Elbert Lee, Minnesota, where we had actually met uh, the year before, year and a half before, and we were, I was, at that place, I was working at Youth for Christ, a teen ministry in southern Minnesota. But Youth for Christ is big, but they had a, a, an office in Albert Lee. So we were here about a year, and uh, uh, going to Abundant Life, going to school, getting, getting into the whole swing of things. And uh, one day I get a phone call. And the phone call was the director from southern Minnesota, and he said, hey, John, he says, I want to ask you a question. He said, We've been talking, we have a, a financial backing, we have the whole thing where, where we would like to hire you to be the director of another branch of Youth for Christ in southern Minnesota, in, in another, uh, in Austin, Minnesota was the, was the actual town. We have the office already, we have the financial backing, and we have everything ready to go, we just need a director, and we want to interview you, but you know, we're, the interview is basically we want to offer you the position, will you come down and interview for this position? And I said, sure, I'll come down and interview, you know, just for, you know, giggles. How much are you going to pay? Well, they, they, gave, they shot a number out there, and it was more money than I had ever made, ever before in one year. To me, that was a huge amount of money. I look back now, and I, I laugh. But what they offered me was the most money. I, I, I had never made that much money, no matter how much overtime I had ever worked. I had no hope of ever making that much money in one year. So when they offer that, and about that time was when money was very tight going to college. Very tight. Very hard. I mean, we were, we were living on day-to-day -day kind of stuff. Going to school, driving back and forth, all that. You know, and I was getting, you know, already starting to get, you know, annoyed with school and the whole blah, blah, blah. And, and you know, it's okay. Maybe this is God. It's got to be God. They're offering me money. So I talked it over with Deb, and she's like, well, I don't know if I like the idea, but you, know, you can at least go check it out. So I said, all right, I'm going to go check it out. So I, but I began to pray about it, because the, the interview was a week later. Began to pray about it. Really wasn't getting anything. Really wasn't getting anything. You know, and I wasn't getting anything either way. You know, I just kind of, okay, I'm listening, God. Show me. Maybe, I'll, maybe I'll, I'll get something on the way down. And so you know, the day comes, and I go to school. I f finish up the day at school. Hop in the car. I start driving to southern Minnesota. As I'm driving down there, I'm praying hard now because they're going to offer me the job tonight. 
And so we're driving down. I'm, I'm driving down because Deb had school. She had a night class she had to go to. So I'm driving down, and I'm driving down 35W. Just, and I'm, about, I'm just south of, of Owatonna, and I'm driving along, and I'm praying, going, God, you've got to tell me, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? Lord, what am I supposed to do? As I'm driving down, all of a sudden, the strangest, well, not the strangest thing, there's been all kinds of strange things that have happened. A very strange thing happened. I'm driving along, and on this side, on, on the, the east side of the highway, it's dark. So this is, I don't know what time this was, I can't remember, you know, it was fall, but I can't remember what month. But in the, on the eastern horizon was dark. And on the western horizon was still light, the sun was setting. But it was just very contrast, I mean, it, it was something I noticed. Very dark, very bright. So I'm driving down the road, and, and just then, I mean, I get to where 90 and 94, uh, or 90 and 35W cross, and, and there's these lights, there's these uh, overhead lights. And as I'm driving there, all of a sudden, boom, the lights came on. It was, it was, it had gotten dark enough for the overhead lights to come on. Boom, the lights came on. And at that second, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and says, you are at a place between light and dark, truth and lie, choose wisely. It's like, whoa. And I'm just, oh my God. Goodness. I mean, it, it was that quick, that powerful. Choose wisely. I'm thinking light and dark. Okay, there is, a, there is a definite answer here. So I'm finishing this drive. It's only about five miles from there to where the thing is, and I start praying hard. That's when you start. I mean, you should be praying hard all the time, but when that happens, you start, I started praying hard. God, what am I supposed to do? And the more I prayed, the more I knew I wasn't supposed to take the job. And the thing was, though, I felt like I had a call of God in my life. I felt like I was supposed to be in ministry. I felt like this is, this is what I'm, I'm made for. I don't really want to teach. I, I mean, I, I went to school. I'm going to school to be a teacher, but I really don't feel like I'm supposed to be teaching. This, there's something weird in all these emotions, all these questions, all these, this isn't fitting. Why isn't this? Here's this ministry opportunity, but I don't think I'm supposed to take it. This doesn't make any sense. And I'm struggling now. Now I'm really struggling because I feel like I'm not supposed to take this. And all of a sudden the story of Abraham pops into my mind. And, and, the, and it, the Lord didn't speak. It was just kind of like this thought. And I, I was, but as I'm driving, it's like, okay, I really, really want to be in ministry. And they're going to pay me. I mean, how much more of a sign from God can you ask for? They're going to pay me really well. But I, in my spirit, there's no peace. I'm just like, this isn't what I, I'm not supposed to take this job. But, oh, I want to take the job. I really, really want to take the job. Don't take the job. Oh, and there's just this struggle back and forth. And I'm driving the last couple of miles. And I pull up. And, I'm, and I pull up and I park. And I'm sitting at, this, at the wheel. I hadn't turned the car off yet. And all of a sudden, emotionally, I'm done. Because I really want to take this job. But I know I'm not supposed to. What am I going to do? composed myself, turned the vehicle off, walked inside. Everybody's sitting there waiting for me. I walk in, shake hands, greet everybody. I sit down, and I looked at them. I said, hey, I need, before we start, I need to tell you something. I'm not going to take the job. Their answer to me was, what? I said, I'm not going to take the job. 
Why not? It doesn't make any sense. They, start, they spend the next half hour trying to talk me out of this decision. And I mean, they were forceful. We really want you. We really need, you're exactly the guy we need, blah, blah, blah. You know, why wouldn't you take this job? I said, hey, I'm just telling you, because I didn't go into all the details. I don't want to tell them, well, you're darkness. <laughs> I want to go towards the light. You know. I mean, you don't say, I just, I just said, you know, I've been praying about this, I don't have peace, I'm not taking this. They said, well then why in the world did you drive down here? And I said, because I didn't know before I got here, okay? Just the way it is. Sometimes God tells you things ahead of time, sometimes he doesn't. I said, I'm just want to, I'm really sorry for wasting your time, but I said, I'm not taking the job, I might, we might as well just be done here, I'm going to head out. Got in the car, started driving, oh my goodness. Every mile I drove, I felt like I was leaving my dream further and further behind. Further and further and further behind. Heading towards something that had, I couldn't see the future. I couldn't see how this was going to work out. I didn't even know if I was going to pass college. You ever felt that way going through college? I don't even know. I'm just wasting my time here. I had already had the data points that said I, do, I wasn't, because I had already failed the first time I went. That had a whole other reason for why that happened, but. I mean, this uncertain future, and I'm paying out thousands of dollars, and there I could have been making thousands of dollars. What, I don't, oh, this doesn't make any sense. So I'm just, now I'm just, and I'm, I'm driving home. Now I'm trying to think of what am I going to tell my wife? Because I left going, I'm going to go, you know, probably going to take the job. And, and I'm thinking, what am I doing? So I'm driving, get up on uh, uh, 94 up here. Came off of 35, or, uh, 694 on uh, 94, and I'm headed towards the river. I get to the river, and as I'm coming down the river into the valley, the Holy Spirit speaks to me again. And he starts talking to me about Abraham. And he says, because you killed your dream, I will give you my dream. It's the same thing he said to Abraham. He says, because you were willing to give your one and only son. Those words, look at that verse. Verse 15. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. I've shared this before here, and but some of you may not have ever heard it. Here's the interesting thing. God sent Abraham to Moriah, the, the, the region of Moriah. It was a hilly country. And in that hilly country, he said, go to that hill. Remember it says that Abraham saw the hill that God was talking about? He went to that hill. His son carried the firewood. 
the rest of the way. He put the, the wood on his back and he carried the wood to the altar. And there he was willing to kill his one and only son. And when God stopped him, he said, because you've been willing to obey me, I'm going to bless all the nations of the world because of you. Do you know what the name of that hill was? Many people, many theologians believe that, that, that the altar, where the altar was at the temple or on, they, they, let me say it this way, many people believe that the, where the altar was, where the sacrifices were made, was the exact spot where Abraham was ready to sacrifice Isaac. The, all I can think of is Ishmaelites. Today, the Arabs, the, no, Muslims. The Muslims believe that that is where Abraham was going to sacrifice Ishmael. So they agree that that's the spot. The thing is, I think they missed it by about 200 yards, that, that the hill that he was ready to sacrifice Isaac was, or on was Golgotha. And God said, because you were willing to sacrifice your only son, I'm going to bless the world because of you. God's plan for Abraham was not just a, a 15 week or a 20 month or a, or a three, you know, 30 year plan. His plan for Abraham's obedience carried all the way to the cross. Because Abraham passed the test, God was, you know what? Because you sent your only son to die, because I said so, I'm going to send my only son to die. The choices, the way you live your life will not only impact you, it will impact generations. The character that God deals with you and, and, and works in your life in these times is so important. It's not just about God wants you to be a better person. God has a plan for your life to touch generations. And by being obedient to it, by being obedient to it, you will touch generations. Now, I'll even go a step further and say, you'll touch generations either way. With obedience or disobedience. That's a harsh, that's that whole darkness and light thing, isn't it? Heavy. This is heavy stuff. It wasn't more than a few months after that happened with me in southern Minnesota and going back, and I was just like, I just felt like that was it. I, that was the end of my opportunity to ever be in ministry. <laughs> stupid, stupid, stupid. You learn a lot over years. We had a gentleman who came to River Valley, or Abundant Life at that time, and he was prophesying over people, and he pointed me out, and he told me to stand up. He didn't know me. He didn't know me. He had never met me before, and he says, the Lord just spoke to me, and he said, young man, he says, that you, he says, I see you standing at a door, and that door got slammed in your face. He says, don't lose heart, because he says, another door will open in a very short time. That's the one you're supposed to walk through. And ta-da! 
He also said, I can't tell you this part, he also said something else to me that morning that is so specific that has already come to pass. But it, it, it has to do with a person you may know, and so I'm not going to... But he said something to me that morning that was so specific, and there was no way that that could happen. There was no way that this, that word, that he, he spoke it to me, but he spoke it about somebody else. There's no way that that thing could happen. And when I saw that come to pass, I was like, God, you can do anything. You can do anything. God can do what he's told you he'll do. It just may take a while for you to get there. Let's stand. Father, let us be like Abraham, trusting you, following you, obeying you, doing what you've told us to do, going there by faith. Lord, help us in our unbelief.